That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Incomparable, number 669, June 2023. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Stell. This is another episode of our book club where we are reading a lot of books that are nominated for awards. We are uh, getting to the end of our Nebula Award nominees this time. Uh, we read two books. We read T. Kingfisher's Nettle and Bone, and we read Travis Baldry's Legends and Lattes. That's right. Ampersand Fest 2023. <laughs> is here. Joining me to talk about books with ampersands and their titles are the following wonderful members of the book club. Uh, book club regular, Aline Sims is here. Hello. I should have put on my ampersand necklace. I don't know what I was thinking. Hi. Hi. I have a little ampersand uh, that uh, that my old boss got me that is just like a little, like it's like four inches high. It's like a little sculpture of an ampersand because she knows she always, I was always, this is back at Mac user, I was always like I know we could say and, but why not an ampersand? They're just cool. <laughs> it's like, oh, They're you and your ampersand. pieces of punctuation. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, we're all about the ampersands here. Another regular mm-hmm. at the book club, Erica Ensign is here. I, I, I guess er, we had Aline Sims ampersand, Erica Ensign. Hello. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, too, love ampersands. In fact, once in a parking lot, I found a little black plastic ampersand, uh, like the kind that you might put on a, you know, it's like an inch tall, like that you might like slide into one of those slidey signs that you oh, change the letters yeah, on. Right. Um, but it was three dimensional. It wasn't just like completely flat. And like, I usually don't pick things up in parking lots, but it was an ampersand. <laughs> so I took it home and I washed it and it's still in Mona, my bag somewhere because nice. I love ampersands. Love it. Love it. Ampersand Scott McNulty is here. Hello. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. That was an ampersand. Greetings, ampersand, mm. salutations. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. In HTML, it would be ampersand, AMP, semicolon, because I always loved the fact that you had to use an ampersand to explain that you were about to use an ampersand in HTML. Very funny. <laughs> and a not regular member of our book club, but she was like, I read these books. I want to be on the book club. It's <laughs> Kelly Gamont. Hello. Hello. I. Uh, ampersand i am glad to be here and uh, i'm i'm team ampersand because i just think it sort of looks a little fancier when you come across that kind of punctuation in in something so starting starting your statement with an ampersand and then continuing as you did i feel like if somebody transcribed what you just said it would be a really good like uh fiona apple album title something like that (laughs) long and starts with an ampersand i don't know i'm just riffing here anyway we these books were both nominated for the nebula award and uh since the hugo awards as we record this haven't come out yet the nominees Mm -hmm. we're just uh breaking our way through the nebulas science fiction fantasy writers association 
And uh, we should probably start. Let's see. Let's start with Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher. I just finished this yesterday because I realized two days ago that we were doing a podcast. <laughs> and there's another book that I was reading that took forever to get through. And then I got to this book. I'm like, oh, my God, I have three days to read it. Good news, everybody. Both of these <laughs> books, by the way, I think we I don't know if it's the ampersand. <laughs> I don't know if it's yeah, just it makes it faster. It makes it's it faster. faster. <laughs> Uh Makes it go down easy, but uh, both Mm. these books, fast reads, kind of very pleasant. Um, This is a story about a third daughter, Mara, who is a princess. And as of the third daughter, she watches as her sister goes off, her oldest sister goes off. She's being married to the, the king of a powerful kingdom, the Northern Kingdom. And, um, She's supposed to give give him babies, and there's all like political reasons why this is the case. Anyway, she she dies, and so they send her next sister to uh, have babies for the king of the Northern Kingdom. Um, and what they do is they send Mara to a convent to set <laughs> not as do. a nun, really, but more as a we're going to put you someplace where you'll just be on ice in case we need another wife for the king of the Northern Kingdom. A place where you will be, you know, on your own and not like uh, having babies and uh, with with uh, with other people, which is not true because, I mean, she doesn't have a baby, but she totally has like sex with a guy when she's there. So the convent strategy is poor, is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. <laughs> but anyway, so she's in the convent. And then, uh, and then uh, she decides that she's going to save her sister who is being treated terribly by the king and embarks on a quest that involves her crossing a desert and visiting a, a, uh, a, a dust, what, what a dust what, wife, dust, dust wife, wife. Mm-hmm. who yeah. is like a graveyard, witch, and, Keeper. and saying, I want to kill the king. And the <laughs> graveyard, witch is like, I'm going to give you a test. And she passes the test and she's like, all right, let's go kill a king. And they pick some people up along the way and on their mission to kill the king of the Northern Kingdom. Um, But it's not as easy as all that. And it's a a little more complicated. There's a lot more detail. And that is the story of Nettle and Bone, uh, which again, 245 pages, fun, fast, uh, goes some places that I didn't expect. Uh, I liked it. I, I, I would love to know what everybody else thought about it. I don't, I don't, uh, Lauren asked me about it today. She's like, so yeah, I guess you finished your book, right? Because I finished it last night because the podcast is today. <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I didn't have one of those like raves about like, oh my God, it's so great. I'm like, no, I liked it. It was really good. How how did everybody else feel about Nettle and Ampersand Bone? <laughs> uh, I also quite liked it. I I had a little trouble at first. I have really been leaning into comfort reads, uh, and mm. we'll well, get this into is that the episode next for you, Erica. <laughs> tell you. Well, it is. Except at the beginning of this book, it was less comforty than I was sort of hoping. I guess um, it. I really appreciated the way that uh, she starts the book. Uh, the writer, I mean, not the character, T. Kingfisher, also known as Ursula Vernon. So she starts the book uh, with Mara already in the midst of her 
second quest. <laughs> her first quest was to to uh, make a cloak or something like that. And her second mm. quest is to make a dog. And uh, and so she's in the middle of this quest and we don't quite know why she's doing it. Um, but we sort of quickly learn the reason she's doing it is because there's an awful prince who's doing awful things. And it's not really clear at first whether it was to her or to somebody she knows and loves. Um, but like, you know, Starting off in a really awful hellscape place where she's literally in a pit full of bones, <laughs> knitting them together with wire and m- messing up her hands. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of cannibals around. And she's talking about uh, domestic abuse. And I was like, oh, wow, this is stark. This is harder. Yeah, it was it was it was a rough it was a rough start. Um, But I thought it was really really well done because in addition to being rough it was like making me want to know why why is all this happening why is she here why is she doing this and i mean in the end i am i'm always there for a book where a bad dude gets punished so i was on board but it was a it was a little bit rough sledding to start with um but then then it went into like full-on comfort read territory with characters that were older women and we weren't getting their bodies described left right and center like happens in so many fantasy books and they were just like so cool i love these characters so much yeah even the dog and i'm not a real big dog person but like even the bone dog bone dog uh, I yep. love the, the one godmother mm-hmm. character, I kept picturing her as one of the godmothers from Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yep. Make it pink. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Like, yes. um, and you're right. If I have a complaint about this book at all, it is that I think that the flashback structure that happens at the beginning and then is completely discarded is unnecessary and kind of confusing. It, it feels very much like, well... Let's get to this exciting part and then we'll flash you back and then we'll catch up and then we'll just go forward. And I'm not sure it was necessary, but I liked it because they it went back and forth enough times to make it feel like if it had just been that that once, uh, then no. But it like the first several chapters are all back and forth, back and forth. Right. Until it gives up. Yeah. (laughs) But I I felt like it gave up like it was kind of uh, the it. It took the parts that were hard for me to read and it interspersed them with parts that were less hard to read and kept doing that enough so that I wasn't having trouble the whole way through. I felt like it was like it balanced the yeah. the feels. In, uh, I, I, I don't think I would have liked the book as much had right. it been straight through chronological because I don't think that it would have given me the same emotional journey. That's probably I why see that. she did it that way. Mm. Kel- Kelly, what do you think? The Blistered Lands was a hard was a slog like i mean my fingers weren't bleeding at the end of it but but uh it was it was hard and i did appreciate uh the getting to go back and forth it felt a couple of times it felt like the the jump between was a very very hard left and so it was kind of rough to keep up with but uh the rest of the time i really liked it and that was one of the things i liked about this to start and i also i had the same experience as erica like I kind of like this is not the book I was expecting to read when I picked this up. And then uh, it kept sort of proving itself. And then we got a little a little cozier uh, after we've we've caught up on all the backstory. And I also appreciated the the characters like we have a character without a name. We have a, a dog who like can't bark and we have a chicken and all of them have just as much personality as any other character in the book like they had more more 
character development and went on more interesting journeys than much larger characters in other books I've read. And, you know, it was a dog and it was a chicken and um, fun little Agnes, who's just this sort of really chipper agent of chaos that kind of <laughs> that kind of shows up and just sort of uh, sprinkles mayhem uh wherever she goes and it was pretty great and i can't believe i, I of... didn't mention the chickens thank you the chickens <laughs> very key part of this book chickens. we get a chicken not just one and then a sequel there's a sequel of chickens yes and and they were they were super fun i also did chuckle to myself because the chick's name is finder and that made me chuck oh. that just made me laugh yeah. and warm my nerdy little heart Ma- mac nerds Perfect. get it <laughs> Yes, I was like, oh, that was, yeah, I, like, there was a split second when she said, I named him, you know, I named the chicken finder, uh, that, that I, like, did you mean to do that? You know, <laughs> like, did you know that there are, there's, there's going to be some Mac nerd out there somewhere who went, oh, hey, I see what you did there, you know, um, I just thought it was funny, and, uh, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I liked the journey that, that everybody went on, and I, I liked how, even though for Mara it was it was very high stakes, like as a story, it was sort of low stakes, and so that was that was really nice. Like we get to meet some some interesting people, and we go to some interesting places, and we find out that some people in this place have some very interesting abilities. And I want to read another book set in this same place and find out more about where the other characters are from, or you know what anybody was doing while this was happening in the northern kingdom like what's up in the southern kingdom or whatever and uh and it was it was a lot of fun to read for for that reason i mean one of the main characters in the book doesn't even have a name she's just the dust wife yeah lena what did you think of this one i loved it i think i suggested it for book club a couple of times Mm -hmm. um but it had been published like a while ago like obviously near enough that it could be nominated for nebula this year but um i i like it because it is it's it's one it's now one of my cozy go-to reads um because it's just like kelly said it's kind of a small stakes story especially when you're reading it like the second time you you know enough that you don't kind of get bogged down in the really depressing parts and you can kind of focus on the relationships between the people and how they interact with each other and um, their character development. And um, I just, it just, it just made me feel good. Like sometimes, uh, sometimes we read books that are really a slog. (laughs) (laughs) And and this one Mm -hmm. was one of the ones that, that just is just kind of delightful. I mean, People who listen to book club episodes know that I'm a, a recently converted like T. Kingfisher stan. So like <laughs> I love I loved it. I don't love everything she writes. She does some horror that isn't my jam. But like it, this is just like right in my kind of I don't know. It says something about me that my cozy comfort reads are also a little bit dark. But um, but I love it. I love Bone Dog. I love. Um, I love the market. The market is well, so the goblin market. Yeah. Goblin cool. market the goblin is market awesome. is so cool. And the currency system of you know, like it's a barter <laughs> system, and maybe you pay a tooth, and maybe you pay ten years of your life or your potential life or whatever to get <laughs> goods tooth, and services. The or tooth <laughs> dancer it makes all your the teeth tooth dance. Really, oh. it, it's not going to be a problem until yeah. it happens, and then it's a real problem. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I like I don't like teeth. Teeth creep 
me out. I don't know why teeth are creepy, but since there wasn't a visual with the bone dancer, I was okay with it. But thinking about it is like, oh, 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 man, no, no, thank you. Okay, without that. Yeah, there was there were parts that were that that I thought <laughs> the same. And uh, Aline, you said you're a recent recent Teaking Fisher stand. Um, I now just want to go read more because this is the first one I've read. So I'm very I'm I'm uh, looking well, forward to more of it. Guide okay, to Defensive okay. Baking should be on your list. I think. Yeah, uh, then that'll be next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll uh, we'll talk later. <laughs> I've talked about it on book club episodes, so I'll I talk have no to you later about it. <laughs> Scott, what do you think of this one? So I should preface this by saying that uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy <laughs> cozy books, and I, in fact, enjoyed Nettle and Bone. Um, I have read uh, three T. Kingfisher books. Uh, I read the the Saint of Steel series, um, which is Paladin's Hope, Paladin's Strength, and Paladin's Grace. Guess what happens in that book? A bunch of people meet. <laughs> They go on a quest. There's an unlikely romance. That's um, true. And I, uh, and those, those books are great. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed Nettle and Bone. But when I started Nettle and Bone, I was excited because it starts off radically different than I expected based on those other books. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Uh, maybe she's trying something different. And I know she's written a lot of books. Uh, and her horror books probably are more in that vein of that first chapter, I imagine. I haven't read any of them. Um, and then it just kind of switched to exactly the story that I had read in uh, The Saint of Steel, which I will say again, is a good story, full of great characters uh, and lots of good moments. Um, but when I think about why I'm reading this book, which is because it was ne uh, nominated for a nebula, it makes me think, well, what does it mean to be nominated for a nebula, right? And would this be a book that I would expect to be nominated for a nebula and I would expect it to be nominated more than I would the other book we read for this book club episode. Um, but I'm still surprised that it was nominated, not because it's bad. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a fun story. It's certainly a comfort read. I can totally understand that, but I don't think it really does anything new or interesting. Um, it is fun and cozy and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I don't think when I think of an award-winning novel, I think of something that challenges me, does something completely brand new. Uh, and I'm not sure this book does that. Uh, and also, you know, of course that's my own bias about what I'm thinking about award nominations. Right. So I admit that as well. Um, so there you go. I liked it. I would recommend people read it. I'm just a little confused as to why it was nominated for a nebula. I agree with you, Scott, for what it's worth. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I really did. But I did have that moment of like, this is a nice book. And when Lauren said, how, how I guess you finished your book, I'm like, yeah, it was nice. I, I did not have a superlative to give to it other than that I enjoyed it. And it was a nice thing. It is not anything really new. I do. I love a lot of parts of it. I, I love, uh, there's some of the little details that I really like. I found it pleasant and fun. Yes. And, and uh, there were some twists at the end in terms of, what you think the solution to the problem is going to be is not the solution to the problem that I kind of liked, but it, it was now, I mean, awards are what they are going to be, right? Like they, you could give an award for anything. Um, and so apparently having a really nice cozy fantasy novel is a thing that the, at least the nebula nominees <laughs> nominators think is a 
a nominatable thing because both of these books are like that. Um, sure. And and fair fair enough. But I share it with you that I got to the end and I thought oh, it was fine. But that's not usually usually when we do these award shortlist reads. I get to the end and I even though I don't like the book, I'm like, I understand why this was nominated. And this is sort of like, it's good. It, like, is that enough? I don't know. But um, but I liked it. But yeah, it was also not something that that made me rethink the fantasy genre at all. Right. Which it didn't it didn't and, need to. It was nice. And I will say the scene with the 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 bone dancer is something that I think about fairly often. Oh, just the tooth, because it the was tooth so, dancer. The tooth, the tooth da- yes. dancer. It's so dancing crazy. in your mouth. Oh. Very creepy. Uh, so I, I will give her full points for coming up with that and creeping me out. Um, and I keep thinking about it. Um, and but, the chick, yeah. the chicken stuff is fun. The bone dog is fun. Mm. I, I think there are a lot of details that are fun. I, I, I think the reason it felt just sort of nice to me is that a lot of it felt very much like we all know <laughs> what this story is going to be. We all know where it's going to go. And there were times when it didn't go there, but there are a lot of times where it was sort of like, yeah, that's what makes it cozy. It's like you know, you know mm-hmm. this, right? It's a fantasy story. And, we're gonna and it's written go. very well. At to a, like, uh-huh. this is a, a finely written book. Like, I'm not saying she's a bad author. I'm not saying no. it's poorly written. I think it's. A good book. I enjoyed it greatly, uh, and I uh, I have a bunch of her other books on my list to read. So I'm I'm a fan of T. Kingfisher. Uh, I'm just confused as to why it, it was nominated for a Nebula. <laughs> I I told I actually agree with all of that except for the criteria about what is nominated because mm-hmm. I I think about that too when we read when we read because a lot of the times. I don't understand why a book was nominated. <laughs> you know, typically the ones I rank lower on my list um, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is this is just not good. It's too long. It's like whatever. What what do people see in this? Why was it nominated? So um, I think it's really really interesting. I don't think anybody is wrong, but I think it's interesting as to what we consider nomination worthy you know it, it's in the eye of the beholder really yeah like, no yeah it's completely subjective yeah yeah and i think that a lot of times too like you know some of the books that i think maybe alina and i have ranked lower in the past have been like why did people why did people nominate this but i can look at it and i can say okay they nominated this because it's really dark in some way or it has some weird twist or it's trying something uh, that that is not the kind of thing that I am remotely interested in. And I am <laughs> I feel like finally the awards are nominating books that I'm actually have a much better chance mm. of enjoying reading. <laughs> and I think that I think that that uh, that I all along would would be if I was obviously I, I can nominate for the Hugos, but not uh, not for the Nebulas. I always have nominated the books that have that I have enjoyed the most that have hit me uh, in in the the right spot there are I'm sure there are cozy books out there that are are mediocre um luckily enough I have have been able to miss most of those I certainly will be adding more T Kingfisher books to my my reading list because if this is uh similar to to other stuff that she does I am 100% here for it because <laughs> I feel like you. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're just uh, yeah. as delightful, so to be lean. clear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, like, it sort of reminds me of, like, the Oscars. It's like, it is way harder to get a comedy nominated for an Oscar than right. it is, you know, throwing a couple of scenes with somebody breaking down and crying or murdering somebody else, and suddenly you got yourself Oscar bait. Right. Whereas I feel like the difficulty level for comedy when it comes to awards is way higher. And this sort of feels like that as, as well, uh, like a cozy comfort read there's there's a spectrum of what a, a well-written one, one that does some things mm-hmm. that you don't expect, to, you know, one that's doing all the things that you, you expect and is not very well-written. So I feel like I am pleased <laughs> that the world of, of award nominators is turning toward looking at the cozy ones and saying, okay, what are the good cozy ones? We should be putting those on our list. And I think that that's uh, very valid, and I salute all of those nominators. I um I I see what you're saying. I guess and it's totally valid because again this is completely subjective about like what what why would you nominate something for an award? I will say that I found something like The Goblin Emperor to to provoke similar feelings in me in terms of I just love that book and I I I know that there's like, you know, there's intrigue and stuff, but in the end I just think it is a wonderful warm fuzzy I I love it so much. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I got to the end of the Goblin Emperor and I said, wow, this is the best thing I've read this year. I'm going to tell everybody about it. I hope it wins lots of awards. (laughs) And I got to the end of Nettle and Bone and I was like, oh, that was nice. And so for (laughs) me, there was some difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong in nominating a book because you loved it, no matter Mm -hmm. what it is. Right. But I do. Mm -hmm. I, I share Scott's feeling that I got to the end of this one and I was like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like it was a good book i don't know if i'm gonna remember it in six months but i enjoyed it it was a fun read and th- and you know what awards be damned and i know they they tell us what to read here this time of year but awards be damned <laughs> and we listen if a book is a fun know, read it's it's, it's, it's done its job it's it's done its job oh, yeah 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 that's it it is very good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I want to be yep. clear again. Yeah, yeah, no. This book is very good. I agree. It's just so it, it's not... interesting to talk about like the perplexing thing of having that feeling of like I I like this book. I'm a little surprised that it was on this exalted shortlist of of novels. But that doesn't mean I didn't like it. It's just sort of like, oh, okay. I guess this was nominated too. But it it is a good book. I like it does what it says on the box. It is a a fun story in in a fantasy genre that does some things that are unique and it also is just kind of like enjoyable to read it's written by a writer who has a very good prose style it it is an easy read uh it takes some twists that are good and it's smart with what it does really like i yeah if this sounds good you should read it and other stuff by t t kingfisher apparently that's right um because it's good stuff it is. And bottom line, and even if it doesn't sound good, you should probably read it because you will like it. I you will bet. like it. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you will not be able to resist it. Although fact. I will <laughs> caution people, I think that uh, as Erica said, like the first chapter, you have to get past the first chapter yeah. because that is very different tonally than mm-hmm. the rest of the book. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, I still think that that was an editorial um, conversation to pull forward some dark and weird and dramatic things to the beginning of the book. So that people would be hooked in because it, I think the story is otherwise maybe a little too, seems a little too standard if it's just mm. about the sister and her sisters, um, instead of it being like, whoa, whoa, wait, she makes a dog out of bones and wire and it comes alive. What? <laughs> and then, you know, that, that's a, it's a good hook. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also like it, the the creation of the mystery is something that that I, I I am, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for that sort of structuring. I really like starting in media ray and then just like going backward and discovering why are, why are we doing this? Like Mm. that is just something that really works for me. So I, I appreciate it. It probably would have felt more pat and standard fantasy, you know, fetch quest if they would have just started at the beginning and gone through her life and I I don't think that would have been as good a book I feel like that book I would not have nominated for an award this book I would chapter one is like no this has got edges don't run away we got edges (laughs) it's a little edgy don't worry about it and, and or it does it's all edges. Run away. Run away. (laughs) Well that's because you don't know what's coming. You gotta you gotta make sure you get it there. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's move on to another. So it was Nettle and Bone and Legends and Lattes. That's a lot Mm -hmm. of ampersands. There's a lot of ampersands going on today. Um, Half off at the uh, punctuation store. Travis Baldry (laughs) uh, wrote Legends and Lattes. Um, It is a story about an orc who is a warrior in, let's just say it, a D&D party. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she gets, at the end of the big boss battle, which is the prologue of the book, gets a magic item. And and this is her, her last big score. And she's going to now retire from the adventuring game and start a business. And so she goes to a city, and she decides she is going to open a cafe. Um, now, most most of the the world doesn't know about coffee. It's a it's a delicacy that she's found in uh, Gnomish territory in a Gnomish city. Uh, but she's going to import it, and she's going to popularize it. And by golly, she's going to make a cafe, and she's going to import cafe and coffee culture to the rest of the world, starting with her little cafe. And the story is, and I am not, you, you may be listening to this going like, well, yeah, but then what? And the answer is, you know, yes, there is a, there are some threats. There are <laughs> some dangers you from, need? from local, like local <laughs> mobsters and things. But the fact is, uh, honestly, you will find nothing more thrilling than the moment where she finds a baker to make baked goods at her cafe. Yeah. What do you frankly. mean? And... Like, I get we have a lot of ampersands here, but what do you mean, and? Like, you can stop there, and it's fine. Yeah. It is. What I wanted to say is, you might be saying, how could this be a story if all it is is an orc (laughs) sets up a cafe? And I could tell you that, yes, there is a mysterious underworld figure, and there's a, a, a shadowy figure that might be one of the her past party members who might not might be sort of out to no up to no good and might resent her from taking the the magic item. Um, and that is part of the plot. But what I'm saying is, although that's part of the plot, it is just as riveting to me. And maybe I'm I'm 
not everybody's going to be wired up this way, but I am excited about the fact that she has to get real estate, that she has yes. to renovate her place, uh-huh. that she has to uh-huh. find a baker, uh-huh. that she has to yep. import a, a, an espresso machine from the gnomes, mm-hmm. and that like she has to figure out a marketing plan and hire yep. a coworker, and and that is just as important to the story oh. as the fact that there is like an underworld figure and a, a shadowy figure that might be after her stuff, and that is actually why I loved Legends and Lattes is because I had that moment where I asked myself, am I really getting excited about the fact that she's found a baker? And the answer is yes, I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's so cute. Oh my God. Everything about this book is just, it's so ridiculously good in a way that I was not expecting. And it's like, Honestly, it reminded me that this book, uh, referring back to previous book club episodes, this book felt to me like a mashup of my favorite parts of Project Hail Mary married to my favorite parts of the galaxy and the ground within. It had that sort of like the stakes are low because it's a coffee shop, but like I don't feel like high stakes necessarily makes a better book necessarily. It's it's how important the stakes feel to you. And the the stakes are high for our main character because she's taking... Exactly. And her entire life savings yep. and has mm-hmm. this way, this is her way out of the adventuring game. And if her coffee shop burns down, then she's going to be in real trouble. And and mm-hmm. so like the stakes, personal stakes are high, but they are high in a way that is not like your usual epic fantasy stakes. It's just, right. it's very personal. So like Project Hail Mary, which we talked about in a previous book club episode, like the stakes are literally like worlds are going to live or die based on what this main character does. Uh, so stakes are very different. But in Project Hail Mary, it's very much problem solving the book, I think is what I called it before. It's like, yeah. here's a task. We need to figure out how to fi- I, the guy, I need to figure out how to fix it, move on to the next task. And that's what this was, except that the tasks were, as you said, finding a baker, learning how to make these different kinds of, of coffee, learning how to, to redesign a building, uh, finding a person who who is good enough at woodworking and who has the temperament to be the kind of person who will will work with you and for you and like just all of the step by step stuff I was I was as on the edge of my seat as you were Jason I wanted to know you know opening a business the book uh yeah. except that it's in <laughs> D&D land and has just amazing characters. I will let somebody else talk about the characters, but I was in love with each one of these characters. They all felt like people to me that I just wanted to go and hang out with. I just everything about this book just made me so happy. I it made me hungry. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that two, two pages of cinnamon rolls, and I was like, "That's just unfair." Like, I haven't eaten dinner yet in a world um, that has not tasted know? cinnamon rolls. Apparently, that's the. <gasps> Can you imagine? That was another thing that was also like really entertaining to me was getting. You know, we're gonna open a coffee shop. And, you know, we're gonna sell. We're gonna sell coffee, and then we're gonna sell lattes and cinnamon rolls. And yeah. you know, and everyone there is sort of convinced that this is witchcraft, which sounds like a more legitimate explanation than anything they've heard <laughs> from they anybody find, else. They find a little rat man who is the yeah. world's greatest baker, <laughs> and it's yes. just a great detail of like, oh, this, the small rat man is a this genius, odd little alchemist with whiskers who's like in <laughs> the back with flour and cardamom making magic, and, yeah. and it was great because like. 
I've had biscotti that was really good and I've had cinnamon rolls that were really good and all that. And it was, so it was yeah. fun to, it was yes, fun to biscotti. watch people it's be introduced to this whole thing. But yeah. it's biscotti. It's totally biscotti. Th- it's I'm sorry. Thimblets yes. are uh, <laughs> delightful. Yes. And Double. it was really, it was, it was fun to watch, you know, something that to me is a, a very known quantity, uh, you know, um, this particular format of caffeine. And, uh, you know, and and some treats and stuff, and then watching that sort of get turned loose on this place with magic and ley lines and all these other things, you know, and and then you know, like one of the people who works there is a succubus, and like all of the, you know, and then and everybody's sort of suspicious of coffee, which I just thought was was kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and, shifty, and it was really fun to, and it was really it was really entertaining, and you know, like you said, like the stakes are very important to Viv. The stakes are very important to uh, Tendry. Like, you know, it super, super matters to them what happens. So now it super, super matters to me that it's okay. So, yeah. And Viv, um, as the retired adventurer, they hang her sword on the wall and that becomes (laughs) almost like a temptation, right? Which is like, you could could pick up the sword again. And one of the things she's trying to do is not pick up the sword again. Even mm. though she's like, I, I want to deal with my problems in a way that is not the way that an adventurer deals with the problems, which I liked the idea that she's like trying to leave her life behind because she lives in a world where like that is the solution to a lot of problems is pick up your sword. You're a big or- orc lady. You will be able to <laughs> chop people up with your sword. And she's like, I am done with that i don't want to do that anymore and that increases the (laughs) the tension right because she's like i'm trying to find another path that will get me where i need to be and there's a beautiful moment in in the in the book where um something bad happens to uh her business and uh and uh it's a beautiful moment because we sort of see it as readers right like she thinks that it's over that she can't recover from this but we've seen her build friendships and relationships throughout the book up to that point. And so there in that moment where she's at her lowest, everybody that she's dealt with up to now comes to help her. And it's a beautiful beautiful moment that I think is I think is earned and it's it's just such a, a way of doing it a, a great way of doing it of saying like in this moment where she doesn't have any moves left, she's sort of like out of ideas. The answer is that she has been spending so much time treating people well that they are happy to help her out in her moment of need. And it surprises her, which is also, I mean, how how many times, I, I don't know about the rest of you, I have seen so many people who have been on hard times and are shocked that their friends want to help them. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's what friends do but the person being helped doesn't understand and is kind of like can't believe that it's happening and that happens and it's a beautiful moment too so beautiful Aline what do you think of this one so um, Uh wow yeah I know I know I like it. Scott Scott is laughing like, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. I'm not the villain. <laughs> I think it's a good book. Um, I had two issues going in now that you all have talked it up. Um, and I think one of them is actually that I h- heard so many people and so many incomparable members, especially talking about what an awesome book it was. Mm. And so it was like super hyped for me. 
And y'all know me, I'm, I'm kind of audiobooks first for this kind of thing. So I listened to the audiobook. I, mm, I tried to listen to the audiobook. So it's read by the author who, who is, is who is well who known is. apparently as an audiobook mm-hmm. reader. Yep. <laughs> he, member of SAG AFTRA, like professional narrator. And it's like all I hear about it is like it's this cozy cozy delightful book that's that's just like slipping into a warm bath to read and he reads it like everything is an action sequence oh no and i was oh, no. so tense listening to him talk about her like <laughs> meandering through the streets looking for ley lines and i was like or or describing cinnamon rolls i had to give up on the audiobook he's awesome he's so good but tonally it just did not match what i felt like it needed to be so i eyeball read it and it was better at that point but i don't know if like that just kind of made it too hard for me to dive in with both feet or what because i liked it i, I liked it but i never felt the pull to come back to it it was like, oh yeah, this is this is a, a nice read. It's you know, it's not stressing me out. It's it's a lovely little story about you know friendship and cinnamon rolls, and <laughs> and it ampersand was great. Friend, cinnamon rolls, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. ampersand cinnamon rolls. Friendship, ampersand cinnamon rolls. Um, but I never like felt like I had to know what was going to happen next, and so I don't know, like. I don't think this goes in my cozy will reread pile. It's like, yeah, I'm glad I read it once, but now it's, it's over and it was, it was okay. It was good. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I, I just struggled with it. But on the other hand, it does resonate with me a little bit because um, spoilers for Curse of Strata and TPK, but like we're at a point where we're nearing the end of the adventure and we keep talking about doing like SimCity Barovia, like the after yep. we we beat the, bi- <laughs> the, the big bad and like we're going to make Tony show up and DM so that we can like rebuild this um, this nation that's been under oppression for hundreds of years. Like, so it kind of resonated with me with that as we're winding down this adventure, um, on total party kill, because it's like, you kind of like, you kind of want to know what happens after. And it's kind of nice to get that. So I appreciate it from that. But this is where I pull Scott's line where I'm like, would I have nominated it for Nebula? No, probably not. Like, is, is (laughs) it award worthy? Not to me, so <laughs> I don't know. That's but perfectly that's, nice. That's where I am. Yeah, it's it's a, it's Look, a good book. I don't know about award. Like I don't know about nominating it for an award or anything like that because I don't generally sit down and read all of the things that are nominated or anything like that. I do read a lot, but um, as soon as I finished this book, I found out that the next one was coming out later this year, and I went and ordered it because I want to spend more time here. I thought it was a fun place to be, and I and so I thought it was a lot of fun. Maybe it's not award material, but a lot of things that are fun and entertaining and kind of low stakes aren't necessarily uh and it doesn't you know held up in that way. You know what I mean? So like it can be 
it can be fun and doesn't have to be held up as the pinnacle of craft or anything like that. But I found out that the sequel is coming out later this year and I thought, oh, good for the people who love it. Like, I just didn't, <laughs> didn't feel like I needed to Bless read the next heart. one. Wow. <laughs> well, shout out to Sarah Bickerton, who was the person who uh, recommended this and recommended this. And I went, well, if Sarah's that excited about it, obviously I have to read it. And so uh, I was very much not sorry. So uh, thanks, Sarah. Sarah. Hey, Scott, oh. uh, you're not the villain. Congratulations. What did you think of this <laughs> hey, one? Finally, a book club where I am not the villain. Um, well, I think that uh, I will say that it is a perfectly pleasant book, uh, competently written. Uh, it is so, you know, it is unfair to judge all books as if they are award nominated and should be the pinnacle of their craft. Unless, in fact, it's within the context of talking about all the award nominated yep. books. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. true. Uh, and so with that context, my thinking about, uh, this book is, is harsher than it would be if I had just read it by itself. Right. Because I am reading it not as just a book that is fun, but as a book that was nominated for a nebula. And in my mind, that means that it is of the year. It is kind of the, one of the milestones of fantasy or science fiction. And do I think, and once again, subjective of course so that's my thinking of what makes a nebula nominee uh and does this book meet that criteria for me the answer is no does that mean that this book is bad no i had a lot of fun with it one of my favorite things is thinking about you know the mundane things in a D campaign like the icon like i had a DD character uh many years ago uh who uh was, you know, a, a blind archer who happened to be an evil elf as well. So he took all of the uh, platinum bars from the party treasure uh, when no one was looking. And uh, then he bought a castle and I had people, an army and, uh, you know, I invited my party members uh, and he tried to poison them. It was fun. Like, these are the things I enjoy. So I enjoyed. <laughs> it's kind of the exact opposite of this book, really. Instead of yeah, having a nice cafe, my character built a murder castle. But uh, it's it's a similar thrust, right? Uh, and so I really enjoyed the book. But as I was reading it, I was like, this is nominated for a nebula. It does not compute. Um, that being said, I think if people like, uh, you know, cozy, nice books where nice things happen after some uh, obstacles and friendships are built and <laughs> everyone has a nice cup of coffee at the end, uh, you should read this book. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying, Scott. I, I'm, I'm going to only, uh, personally, I'm going to disagree in the sense that I read this book and I thought, okay, I see why this was nominated because in, in the, like, it's really good at what it does. And, and so I can see it. It, it again, I, I look at a book like this and I think, okay, the Goblin Emperor, again, is the kind of book that I, I would say <laughs> engendered a lot of the same feelings in me, but also I was like, this is one of the best books of the year. I don't know if I can say that about Legends and Lattes, but I did feel like it was, because I, like Aline, I got overhyped on this book and I was like, oh boy, I got to read this book. We're going to do a book club on it. I got to read it. And I read it and I was like, pleasantly surprised because i went in dreading the fact that i was I, I there's no way it could live up to the hype and i was like you know it lives up to the hype i really i really did enjoy it a lot and i thought it was very very nice and so i i put it a level above nettle and bone i think it is a a really good example 
of a kind of book that I don't read a lot of. I don't know if there are a lot of them out there and I'm not reading them or if there just aren't a lot of them. But like, I thought it was very well done and smart and knowing about the tropes and and it didn't take itself too seriously. And so I this one, I can see it a little bit better than Nettle and Bone in terms of why it got nominated for a Nebula Award. It's not edgy or groundbreaking, but like, I think it is a, a pretty good exemplar of of this kind of book. I think it, I think it did a, a surprisingly good, competent, capable job of getting it across the finish line in a way that I honestly didn't expect going in. So that would, that would be my, I think I, I guess I can see it a little better than maybe you can with this one. Cause I was like, okay, you like, I know why people love this book. I get it. And, <laughs> and that sheer love can be enough to carry something yeah. into a nomination process. I get it. I Aww. totally understand why people love it. Would I you don't consider understand it... why that love would make you nominated for a Nebula, though. <laughs> yeah, well, because because you're just out of, out of your mind with love, Scott. The heart doesn't know <laughs> you do crazy logic. things when you're in love. <laughs> I did not nominate for a Nebula, but I did put it on my Hugo nominations Ooh. ballot. And I mean, I will I will admit that I don't read as much or as widely as a lot of people. So my pool of books that I read over the year that I was looking at was probably smaller than it is for some people. But this book was very much like at at, at a level where where I was like, absolutely, the 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 thing, the trick that this book was doing did it so well. It was so well written, yeah. and uh, you know, right now I feel like at this at this point in the world, I think bringing comfort is uh is a thing that is more important to me than uh trying something new or different. Um, and I mean, I I do think that trying something new or different is important. To an important thing to take into account, but it's slightly less important unless it actually nails it. Whereas some years in the past, I probably would have thought of, oh, you know, a, a big swing that's a miss is going to rate higher than, you know, something like this. But right now, no, <laughs> I think that, that this is <laughs> such a valuable purpose that... Yeah. Uh, and I, I also I want to echo something that Jason said. Maybe there are a lot more books like this out out there that are this good that are sort of doing this thing. And if so, point me towards them. Yeah, somebody uh, tell us. Yeah. Yes, please. I too because, would like to know. Right? Because I have not come across anything that sort of felt remotely like this. It was you know, except for you know, there's possibly some some D and D fanfic out there that I should also be reading. Point <laughs> me to that too. Um, but but yeah, the way that it took the sort of D and D tropes and knowingly used them, but then also I don't know, made them feel uh, more like characters than you get in some D and D type material. I really liked how all of the people felt like people, and I honestly like. Yes, there's a romance in here, but I kind of. Almost didn't even see it coming because I was so focused on the rest of the story yeah. and the the how to step by step process of it uh, yeah. that I I just yeah yeah it, this it, totally went on my list. There is a romance here. It felt unnecessary to me. It's nice. Um, I always feel like oh we put two characters together and they're working closely together and they fall in love. I'm like uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's so easy. Like you don't they don't always fall in love. They can just be really great friends. And th this book's like, no, they fall in love. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> it's great. It's fine. It's not really necessary, but it's fine. It's I, I don't mind it. I just mm -hmm. does everybody who works with everybody else fall in love with them. And th that doesn't happen. But OK. All right. Cozy book. Fine. You win. <laughs> I don't know. I've dated I a lot the, of people I worked with. I spent the <laughs> oh. entire book like doing the will they, won't they, do I want them to, do I not want them to? 
Um, and I, I think it was well done, but like Jason, I, I don't think it was necessary. Ooh. Erica and I were, were both in a D and D, uh, campaign where we spent an <laughs> unusual amount of time, uh, talking about a sandwich shop that was run by uh-huh. a bugbear and a bunch of kobolds. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I had that moment where I'm like, you know, is yep. that where Ta- Travis Baldry got this? Is they were ripping <laughs> in a D&D session about how I'm going to start a, a coffee shop when I'm done. And if so, that's fine. It's fine. I'm almost yep. certain that that's where it is. Yeah, came it from. feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing I really enjoyed about this was because the, the coffee shop feels like a place I want to go. Like, I think mm-hmm. it would be really fun to hang out in a place with a sword on the wall. And I'm convinced that under the sword, they have one of those signs. You know, it has been five days since I solved a problem with this sword. Mm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced it's there. Uh, cuts, and, off, cuts down on the shoplifting too. You know, mm-hmm. that's probably a good a good reason <laughs> to have it in a pr- place of prominence on the wall. And I also just like, you know, at the bottom of the menu, it says finer tastes for the working gent and lady. And I just thought that like all of the little mm-hmm. stuff like that was, was stuff oh, yeah. that can be unnecessary when you don't have time to do the world building and add those little touches because you have so much ground to cover with the story that you're trying to tell. And so I really liked having uh, the having the moments for, you know, here's the revised version of the menu that you yeah. can see and all Thrill that kind of stuff. at the excitement of doing chalk <laughs> on a chalkboard in order to promote your establishment. <laughs> yeah. And yet I did not do the audio for this. So it was just a, it was just fun to watch it sort of, you know, yeah. scroll by as I was reading. So it was, yeah. it was pleasant. I will, I will say the thought of a, of a, of, of a little rat making pastries like right? that just kind of mm-hmm. squicks me out. Like, that's the ratatouille it's problem, like, right? Ratatouille, yeah. Yeah. It's like watching, um, British Bake Off masterclass episodes where Paul Hollywood is like his hairy arms and he's like making pizza dough and he's stretching mm. it out on his arms and it just, just, uh, yeah. No, thank no, you. I get it. Paul well, Hollywood, 50% rat. A little ratatouille mm, problem. Yeah. Um, it all makes sense now. All right. Uh, those are our books. Now we're going to do what are we reading in a second? I'm also going to tell you now, friends, what we're reading next. And the answer is we don't know entirely because the Hugo <laughs> nominations aren't out yet. So Ooh, in mystery. our next book club, we will discuss Nona the Ninth, which is the last of the Nebula mm. nominees that we haven't read yet in, uh, for podcast, although I read it, <sighs> by Tamsin Muir, the third book uh, in the Locked Tomb series. Mm. Um, I I really hope my uh, library hold comes through in time because I do not want to pay for that book. I <laughs> just read it. Um, <laughs> And it is a book, uh, but uh, <laughs> that I didn't hate. But I'm going to say that for the next podcast. Oh, save it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that, and then we will communicate with you. So we have a Goodreads. It'll be linked in the show notes. Um, so you can go to theincomparable.com and click on this episode, or look in your podcast player. And when we know, we'll put it in the Goodreads. If you're a member, we'll put it in the Discord for members. We'll let you know what we're reading next. It will be. Hugo nominees, probably, um, but we don't know more than that yet. But none of the ninth and to be determined. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Um, now, we like to do a little thing called, uh, well, I call it, what are we reading? And that confused everybody because the present tense makes it seem like we're reading right now and we're not. That's not what it's about. It is a book or two that we have read lately that we would like to recommend to you, our dear listeners, outside of what we read for the book club. Um, and let's start with Scott, not the villain. Uh, Scott, what are, we, what are you reading? I am not the villain. I uh, I have recently read uh, a couple of books. Uh, one most recently is short, uh, and it is called The Mimicking of Known Successes by Malka Ann Older. Uh, and it is set after the Earth has become uninhabitable. Humans have escaped to colonize parts of Jupiter. Uh, none of that is particularly important. Uh, there is a murder and an investigator has to figure out what Ooh. is going on. And along the way, rekindles her relationship with her college love um, and... Uh, other things happen and it's only 170 pages it's delightful it's kind of a retro futurism vibe going on um and i really enjoyed it uh and another book is that i really enjoyed is the last remains by ellie griffiths which is completely unlike the mimicking of known successes it is the final question mark uh book <laughs> in the ruth galloway series hopefully not the final one because i really like it but it is the 15th in the series if you've not read any of the ruth galloway series do not start with the 15th book of the Ruth Galloway series, please. Uh, start with the first book. Uh, if you like cozy mysteries uh, with strong characters and romance, you'll you'll enjoy uh, the Ruth Galloway books. I feel like if this is the final book, it was satisfying. It will still make me sad not to read another Ruth Galloway book. But um, I did think it was a, a good ending if it has to end. All right. Thank you, Scott. Very helpful. Not villainous at all. Erica, <laughs> what are you reading? I've got a couple. Um, I have spoken before about how much I like Jim C. Hines as an author. I tend to just buy whatever new thing he puts out. I have not gone into his back catalog, but I sort of just did. Uh, his The the rights to his uh, princess series of books reverted to him, so he just republished them all himself. So I picked up the uh, the ebook versions of uh, The Stepsister Scheme and uh, The Mermaid's Madness, Robin Hood, Red Hood's Revenge, and The Snow Queen's Shadow. I am through the first two, and I, uh, I enjoyed them. The Stepsister Scheme is in which uh, Danielle, Talia, and Ermelina, a.k.a. Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and Snow White, set mm -hmm. off to rescue the kidnapped prince. It's Cinderella's prince uh, in this case. And um, it's... It, I am such a sucker for any kind of fairy tale type thing. Um, I, I really just enjoyed sort of that take on it. I do think that uh, that Jim C. Hines has progressed a lot as a writer over the last decade and a half since he wrote these books. Um, I think I, I, I didn't like these quite as much as his more recent works, which I've already recommended on our book club episodes before. Uh, but if you are like me and you are a princess completionist, then yes, do join me in reading these books. They're fast. They're fun. They play with fairy tales, which I always enjoy, although I do want to say content warning for sexual assault. He definitely pulls on some of the older, darker versions of these fairy tales as origin stories for some of the princesses. So, like, if you're familiar with the more disturbing versions of Sleeping Beauty, you will know what I mean. Um, so, yes, mm -hmm. the uh, the princess books by Jim C. Hines. 
And uh, then I also read The Red Scholar's Wake by Aliette de Baudard. It is part of her Zuya universe. Uh, we've talked a few about a few of her other books in this universe, The Tea Master and the de- de- Detective, uh, and On a Red Station mm-hmm. Drifting. Um, th- this book has a very different tone. It's in that universe, but it's very specifically a romance. And it is basically a lesbian romance between a nerdy engineer scavenger who is taken prisoner by pirates. And the uh, the person that she has a romance with is the leader of this pirate faction who has taken her prisoner. Uh, and that woman also happens to be a sentient spaceship pirate queen. Um, it's... <laughs> It's ridiculous plot or not a ridiculous plot, but like the idea of the lesbian uh, space pirates is, you know, like it just made me laugh. And I was like, I must read this book. Um, It also, in addition to the romance, has lots of politicking and intrigue and even some battles and stuff. Um, I have very much discovered that my my uber happy reading place right now is romance that happens to be set in a sci-fi fantasy world, as opposed to a science fiction or fantasy novel that happens to have a romance in it. Like both of our main books that we talked about today, I would put in the latter category. They were nice, you know, science fiction fantasy books that had romance in them. This is a romance. It has the romance tropes, all of those sorts of things. And it happens to happen in this existing um, future space universe where uh, Vietnam and China sort of took over and everything has uh, um, a more sort of Confucian uh, bent to it. It's it's a fascinating universe. I really like all of the other books, but this one was a great read if you like romance. So The Red Scholar's Wake by Aliette de Baudard. Very nice. That's a great universe. Lots of tea mm-hmm. in there, as I recall, too. One of those. Yep. Oh, there's so universes. much tea in this book, too. Yep. Lots Don't worry. You get your tea. Your little space tea universes. Aline, mm-hmm. what are you reading? Um, I think I have two that I'll talk about. So the first I just finished, it's Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. It is a sci-fi horror novel. Horror is not one of my preferred genres, but I went with it this time. Um, so... Imagine the Titanic plus sabotage, but in space. Or mm-hmm. maybe not sabotage. I just spoiled it. There's some sabotage, but you don't know what it is. <laughs> How's that? Um, but there's this this um, luxury cruise liner that's off for a one-year... Um, expedition a slow crawl through i don't know the solar system i think and it's it's this very opulent ship with gold sinks and um famous sculptures and six months into the journey it just kind of disappears and nobody knows what happens 20 years later uh a a ship, a work crew comes up across it, enters it because they want the salvage rights and um, bad things happen. <laughs> and so the, the mystery is, um, are there ghosts? Is the narrator reliable? Is the narrator just seeing dead people? <laughs> like, 
is it the sixth sense? Uh, we don't know. And it was it was a pretty good read. It got a little bit long in the middle. I think it could have been cut down a little bit. But overall, I thought it was really, really good. And it's probably the last horror book I'll read for like another five years. <laughs> um, it's just not, it's got gore. It's got, you know, um, so not my preferred, but I, I was glad I read it. And the second book is The Measure um, by Nikki Ehrlich. And that is a story where one day everybody who is 22 and older wakes up and they have a box on their doorstep. And inside the box is a string and the string cannot be destroyed uh, like with fire it can't be cut with scissors um what they discover is that the string is is the length of your life and um the story then becomes and then people who turn 22 in subsequent days and weeks and years get their box on their 22nd birthday um the story is like, what do people do? What do you do with your life when you have a short string versus a long string? Like what, what will people do and how will they act? And I thought that it was a really um, believable look at what might happen um, if one day we were to be told how long we had left to live. Um, so I thought that the conceit of the book was really interesting. I thought it was well executed. Um, I felt like I related to the characters and y'all know how important that is to me. So like the characters, I had a couple who I could latch on to and I just, I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was an interesting look at something and not a premise we see all the time, um, kind of in our science fiction and fantasy world. Nice. Thank you. Uh, Kelly. Yes. It is our tradition to do what are we reading? Do you have something for us? <laughs> I do. Um, both of mine are from series. Uh, this is a series I've reread a couple of times now, um, and I'm going back through it because I really enjoy the audio versions of them. And uh, it's a series by an author named Patricia Patricia Briggs, and uh, she has written a series of books about Mercy Thompson, who's a mechanic who lives in uh, Tri-Cities, Washington, which is my native land. Um, and then, uh, so I couldn't help but be mildly interested in these, but there's sort of a spinoff of those that um, is based around a couple of characters we casually meet in that series who live in Montana, and that's the Alpha and Omega series uh, by Patricia Briggs, and uh, Cry Wolf is the one that I recommend. Uh, it's the first book in the series, and I think the characters are a lot of fun. They're uh, they're super interesting. Uh, this this book primarily is about werewolves. Uh, the series is about werewolves. It's all sort of present day and all that kind of thing. But there happen to be werewolves, and werewolves are sort of a new revelation to the regular world or the mundanes as they call some some people call them and uh it's it's really fun to read i enjoyed the other series um uh part of why i started reading it is because like i said it's uh set where i grew up and uh hearing them talk about going to all these places that i actually have been there and know what they look like is always a trip when i'm reading books um the next series that the next book i want to suggest is accidentally local because i didn't know they were set in ashland when i bought the book um i stopped at a bookshop on the oregon coast and i was looking i was just sort of browsing 
the shelf and they said, uh, you know, this author was just here and signed a stack of books. And so uh, I picked up a couple of them and they are from a series called A Bake Shop Mystery by <laughs> Ellie Alexander. And uh, so she lives uh, El- this uh, the main character of the book, I just started it, so I don't even have an opinion of it yet, but it's uh, it's been fun so far. Uh, the main character's name is Juliet, and she runs a um, bakery in Ashland, Oregon. So like I said, it's accidentally local. And uh, all of the books have these uh, really, to me anyway, entertaining titles like Another One Bites the Crust and uh, Live and Let Pie. And the one that I'm reading is Tell Death Do Us Tart. And uh, I also got Mocha, she wrote, which made me laugh. And so that's why I bought them. And uh, so far, they've been really fun. And uh, so we'll see if they continue. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, for me, it is, I'm just going to make one recommendation. I uh, I just finished a book, finished that book that we're going to cover next time. And it took forever. So I mm-hmm. uh, have one recommendation. It is A Conjuring of Light by V.E. Schwab. This is so book good. three in the Shades of Magic series. I've recommended these books before. You should start with the first one, A Darker Shade of Magic. But now the the, the trilogy, I know there's going to be another book in this series, but it, it does feel like these form a trilogy and then uh, there might be another trilogy to come. Uh, it, it They're really great. It's, it's multiple parallel Londons uh, with different amounts of magic. And there are certain kinds of special magicians who can transfer themselves between the worlds. There is a, a, a London that has been taken over by the forces of darkness. And that, that cr- being or creature or whatever it is, is now sort of like pouring out and is going to try to take over the, um, the magical London that the series is mostly set in. You got a uh, sassy pirate magician. You got a sassy court, uh, of the king magician you got a uh you got a sassy pirate captain who's not a who sort of ma- a magician there's a lot of sassy characters they're fun <laughs> and uh and then there's a terrible they have to unite even though they say catty things about each other to fight the uh, forces of darkness uh there's it's so good as Aline what's said. the name of the first yeah. book the first book in the series is called a darker shade of magic uh, and then a gathering shadows and a conjuring of light. And the main character, main characters are are what Kel and Lila, and um, oh, they're great. Like Kel is the his his brother. He's the adopted brother of the of the crown prince of this kingdom, um, who the king and queen sort of look down upon, but he's a truly loyal to his brother. Uh, and in uh, these books puts his life on the line in more ways than one for his brother. And then Lila is a rando from a place that doesn't have magic who actually does have magic. (laughs) And when she finally comes to the magic fantasy world, she decides I'm going to be a pirate. Uh, And it goes from there. So it is, uh, yeah, very exciting, fun. The magic is interesting. The worlds are all different in interesting ways. The characters are great. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it is one of the better, uh, series that I've read in recent years. So, uh, definitely recommend the E. Schwab Shades of Magic, Conjuring of Light I just read, but a uh, darker shade of magic is where you should start. Well, I could tell you that on Kobo, they have all three of them bundled together. Bundled together. And I well, just that's, bought them. Erica, that's because there's a, there's Yay. this next book or, or new trilogy <laughs> beginning. And so they want people oh. to get caught up. 
Ooh. But you won't be sorry. Well, it's, they're great. Well, since you put it that way. Yeah. I gave all three of them five stars. Yeah, they're really good. Like, wow. All right. They're, yeah. they're, they're, uh, I think there was another, there's the fa- that fantasy trilogy that Dan Morin turned me on to um, that now I can't remember what it is. Is it the City of Stairs one? Yeah, City of Stairs. I yeah, I kind of bailed out in the middle I, of that one. <laughs> I prefer that trilogy to this. Uh, oh, interesting. But, but honestly, it, they're both great. They're both okay. That brings us to the end of this book club, and so we uh, we'll move on and read. Uh, <laughs> one book has been assigned; others yet mm-hmm. to be assigned. Come on, Hugo nominees. <laughs> the Hugo, the the World Science Fiction Conventions in China this year. So, uh, the uh, there, there's some mystery. Like, uh, the compilation of the nominees is happening, but like, the Hugo Awards website, which is done by volunteers, is like, I don't know. We'll see what they say. So, uh, when we when we do that, we'll we'll uh, make some decisions and assign them. But we'll be back here in a month or two to talk mm-hmm. about more books. But until then, let me thank my panelists, Celine Sims. Thank you for being here again. Thank you, Ampersand. Good night. <laughs> Eric, ampersand, Eric, and sign. Thank you. Uh, I would like to point out that uh, looking at the covers, at least on Goodreads, Legends and Lattes uses the ampersand that looks uh, kind of like a treble clef, you know, the, the one that's on your keyboard. But Nettle and Bone uses the old fashioned one that looks like an E with a flourish. Mm. So I just want to say we've covered the gamut. A little typography uh, nerdiness yep. there. Uh, Kelly Gamont, thanks for being on the book club for a first time. It was great having yeah. you. Thanks for having me, Ampersand. It was really fun <laughs> to be here. And uh, if I can get around to reading more things that have recently been released, I will come back again. Awesome. Woo. And Scott McNulty, not the villain. It is as shocking to me as it is to the listeners. <laughs> Twist. <laughs> it's always good having you here, Scott, because you read all the books. Tell us what to do and what to read. Thanks, everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable and The Book Club. We will see you next time.